You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. That sound, you know what it means. It is time for Straight Talk when we get to hear from you and answer your questions about faith. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross here with you today from our Grand Forks studios. No matter where you are, you can call in with your questions at 877-795-0122. That number is 877-795-0122. You can also submit questions on our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. And uh, before we get into this, also just a, a reminder that Encore presentations are available, uh, rebroadcasts of the weekday Real Presence Live programs on Saturdays beginning at 6 a.m. Central Time, 5 a.m. Mountain Time, taking it through the course of the week. So the Thursday show, for example, normally airs from noon to 2 p.m. Central. And uh, before we get into some of our other topics, uh, I just wanted to share, Father Leffer, it's an exciting time of the year. It's a fun time of the year for me because a lot of these winter high school sports are concluding with state tournaments. In fact, uh, what's going on right now over uh, across the border in Minnesota, the largest in terms of attendance state high school tournament in the country, the Minnesota State Boys Hockey Tournament is in progress. Um, a neighborhood team, War Road, won big yesterday in the single A, and uh, St. Cloud Cathedral, a Catholic school, did as well. And the the big boys, 2A, including the Moorhead Spuds, will be playing today. So that tournament goes through the weekend. We also here in Grand Fork are going to be hosting um, the North Dakota Class B Girls Basketball Tournament. The Class B Basketball Tournaments are a special treat for for North Dakotans because you get a lot of these uh, smaller towns that maybe haven't made it in a long time. But when you're hosting a tournament in Grand Forks, I was thinking to myself about the pilgrimage that people are making. If you happen to be listening to this program as you're driving into Grand Forks uh, to cheer on your team uh, during the course of this weekend, we're grateful that we have you with us. Um, A couple of teams from out west who have a long trip to make uh, the Trenton Tigers west of Williston it's about 350 miles from Grand Forks but they don't take the prize for the farthest journey the Hedinger Scranton Nighthawks are Okay. Yes, <laughs> Hedinger is part of the yeah the Leffer <laughs> metropolitan area. Okay. So Hedinger, for example, uh, the one-way trip to Grand Forks, 412 miles. So uh, pack a lunch and a dinner if you're making that trip uh, across the state. But the conditions overall look pretty good, and um, we're, we're looking forward to having a lot of people in town. And here at the parishes, we'll be seeing folks uh, here from, you know, around the state uh, catching mass, and it's great to see you here. So Father Gross, you know, Probably the majority of our listeners are rural listeners. I don't know the statistics on that, but a good percent of them are. And you and I both grew up in what we call class B. I was a class C town back in the day. You're class B. Yep, less than a thousand why, people. Okay, mm-hmm. tell our listeners why, like thinking of yourself, a young man growing up, and even now as an adult, going back and looking, why is this so important? What's so, so valuable about this experience of coming in for the big day. There, there's the connection, I think, of so many of these families knowing each other, having known each other for generations. And when you have a certain amount of uh, talent and um, you know, uh, auspicious things bubbling up where a team has success, it's really an investment, you know, in a wider sense in the community. There is a the big news in Class B girls basketball is that the undefeated Ra- uh, defending state champion will not be here. Uh, Kindred, uh, they were upset by Central Cast. 
the the fighting squirrels. The squirrels, I love it. I, say, I love don't, when you see a fighting squirrel. <laughs> Hosted. Look out. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, with with uh, contributions from two freshmen and two sophomores among their high scorers. So a lot of these towns, it's not like they can just uh, reload, you know, year after year. They have to build up their program, and maybe once every two decades, once every 50 years, they get to go to the and, big and show. It, and it's literally when, when the big show is going on, last person turn the lights out, literally. I mean, the whole town shows up. This is, it's huge for yep. identity. Every TV set at the nursing yeah. home is too into well, the games. you know, in declining <laughs> populations, this is it. It gives everybody some hope, something to rally around. It really, you yeah. Know, and and of course, our hearts go out to those who don't make it in those right. incredible contests and stuff. Because yeah, there is there is always a heartbreaking story or two of somebody yeah. who you know was a statistically favored, but uh, you know the underdogs can can accomplish great things. Heaven only knows what's going to happen here. You know, uh, with with this tournament or many others. So it's just an exciting time. Now we do have a question. Uh, do we have a caller on the line? Uh, Mary, who is calling in from New England. Uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, hi, fathers, both of you. I do have a question, and my question is this. Would you ever promote or recommend the book Building Bridges by Father James Martin to any of your parishioners? You know, uh, this is a very relevant question, Mary. A actually, this, uh, this past week I had a number of parishioners ask me this very same question, and I was... Um, so probably you know give a little background here for some some listeners who maybe yeah. not know what he's a Jesuit priest yep. first of all yep he's a Jesuit priest and he he's very um, he's he's I'll use the word popular in the sense of kind of well known throughout the United States and now throughout the world um, he and he's, he deals with the very sensitive topic of um, homosexual relations same-sex attraction same-sex attraction is it possible for homosexuals to quote unquote be married uh, this kind of thing and so and he, he's he feels very passionate about um how the church addresses uh, individuals who who uh deal with this in their lives families who deal with this live in their lives and then how how is a as a church do we do we reach out to individuals do we welcome them um and, and so forth in the church's teachings um and then so i mean i just have to be honest about mm -hmm. it i mean my, myself so in my priesthood I, I've, I've dealt with numerous individuals and families parents and siblings who who deal with this very very topic in a very personal way and it's very uh it's it's yeah it's a very personal thing that people deal with in, in a deep way um I, I guess the there there's certain things the way Father Martin expresses himself or kind of the attitude around it that I I personally would not feel comfortable promoting uh, Father Martin or how he expresses it or but now the the thing that he's about there and the desire of respect for all people especially where they're struggling and, and within the church this is it's an incredible thing that really needs to be addressed especially today yeah. how how hot this topic is or that that goes on so mm -hmm. it's 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 nothing that we can like stick our head in the sand and say well i hope this goes away or i don't have to deal with it or let, let's not deal with it but i would be the type of person i would not be afraid to say okay uh, bring that book in here let's sit down let's talk about it let's walk through what are the good points of it what are the bad points but just to do like a blanket endorsement of it without 
without being there myself to help people guide right. through it, I would not feel comfortable saying, hey, take this up, read it for yourself, feel comfortable that this can be the end all be all of this discussion. Right. And you're getting opinions here, Mary, as a priests, you know, of, of uh, the Diocese of Fargo here. So we're just speaking for ourselves just to clarify. But one of the things I guess that I would uh, uh, challenge is that, um, you know, oftentimes uh, when uh, those like uh, Father James Martin will use, you know, the LGBTQ community and yeah. things like that as the primary marker of identity for people rather than to speak about, you know, a child of God through baptism and being called to holiness and, and the virtue of chastity. So, you know, what is our identity centered upon? On one point, you know, on one hand, absolutely we express compassion and want to journey with people, but we can't condone what is, you know, intrinsically not condonable. Um, and another thing that he's been getting a lot of um, press about is he'll speak out whenever there is a story of a Catholic school, you might say, in the um, uh, in the United States that uh, dismisses an employee, whether it be a teacher or administrator or somebody support staff, because of their open, you know, homosexual relationship. And he would say, well, you know, why aren't you making the same sort of um, uh, static about other sorts of violations of the Ten Commandments and that, and that sort of thing? So, you know, it's been politically expedient for certain people, especially in the mass media, to shine a bright light on him. But, you know, the this, this situation is much more nuanced than that. I mean, and the question that came up to me recently was that in, in, a, in a parish bulletin, this, this was put in there and it was, it was put blanket put in there like, hey, this is a good Lenten read or whatever. And it, it disturbed a number of parishioners deeply oh. and they, they came to me while well, saying, well, Father, is this inappropriate? And, and I, I would express grave caution on that. I, I would not feel comfortable just promoting right. it and saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's the best way to go in there and, and touch that yeah. topic or whatever. Right. Now, if somebody had that or were there, I would feel no shame whatsoever in sitting with them and going through that book and talking about mm-hmm. it in a real way, looking, well, what is the value of it or so forth? But I would I would definitely want to help guide. Yeah. That Let's input. also just express that Father Martin is an uh, uh, accomplished uh, academic and author who's written a lot of different things, many of which have nothing to do with this particular issue. There was a book a number of years ago that he published called uh, Between Heaven and Mirth, talking about how humor needs to be injected in the, you know, life of a Christian, and I happen to enjoy that very much, but when it comes to this particular issue, um, I think you find that a lot of people uh, within the church are questioning the the methodology, not necessarily the uh, compassion to be given toward people who uh, have same-sex attractions, but the methodology of how he's dealing with that topic. So hopefully that was helpful. Wow. And uh, Oh, that's very helpful. Very, very deep and very, very wide, and I really appreciate that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mary, and uh, thanks for listening. So this is a Straight Talk with Father Gross and Father Leffer. The number is 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. You can also contact us on Facebook, or if you know Father Gross or mine, smartphones, you can give us a, a shout there. through. Yes, Father Leffer is on the ready, receiving <laughs> messages from and, his uh, uh, fan club. And we're very, very <laughs> grateful to Mary, and the, the call came in, especially from the, the suburb of Leffer, North Dakota, New England. That's another suburb of Leffer out there. That, right, you know, right. That, uh, in right yep, order. The, the holy land within the uh, Diocese of Bismarck, yes. Now, we, you know, on the other side of the break, we have uh, an expert guest who's going to be joining us, and uh, she just happens to be on the headphones. A question has come in. And the question here is, how can you engage children, especially maybe smaller or youngerish children, for the season of Lent? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to refer 
Christy, could you do you have any topics or, or, or ideas on how how do you engage children in the season of Lent in a meaningful way, For little, especially little ones, say like six years old or younger? Um, well, I think the way to start with that is to do things practically. Children are very practical; they're not abstract. So starting in a very practical way. In our house, for example, we take down all of our pictures and all of our decorations and we have a barren house for Lent. And the kids really like that. They love taking down the pictures and they also understand that they're entering into a desert and there's no decorations in the desert. There's no feasting in the desert. <laughs> um, so we we kind of cut that out. We cut out feasts, we cut out treats, we cut out um, kind of those things that engage us in in uh, daily life that are more joyful not that not that we make it totally somber but we just practically want them to experience the desert um, we also work on fasting and praying and almsgiving. Now, how, how would you do that for a five-year-old fasting praying and almsgiving what would that look like in a concrete expression <laughs> yeah so um, Fasting, for example, helping them to see that we give up things that are good, um, to offer sacrifice, just like Jesus gave up his life for us and sacrificed for us. So sometimes, you know, it kind of depends on the spirit that we're in for the year, but it could be let's fast from these treats or let's fast from um, some type of cereal that we like or just like one small thing that they can do. Uh, maybe I can. They can fast. Give up a toy. They can put it up on a ledge somewhere, so they still see it, but they are giving it up for that day or whatever. Um, do you find in those situations, like it's, it's one of those things. Like if you have them do it by themselves, not so effective. But if it's like you're giving that up, but we're all doing it together. Oh, absolutely. Much more and yeah. Yep. We definitely do everything as a family, and we really try to have the adults and the kids doing the same things. Um, it makes a big difference because then you're in it together. You're hearing about it together. And then it doesn't seem silly. Sometimes the things we do in Lent or in Advent as well, they seem childish because adults don't participate. But they're not actually childish. They're for all of us. We are all children of God. We all need to do these yep. things. So right. when children see the adults doing it, they're more engaged as well. When you talked about practicality, you can also maybe think of it as, you know, children can envision that there's a boy or a girl somewhere that, you know, whose family doesn't have some of the good things that we have. And so if we, you know, give some of these things up we remember that there are other people who wish that they had some of the good things that we have and maybe don't have them. how about alms deeds for a child yeah that goes along right with alms deeds um, we try to participate in what our church is doing a lot of times churches have their own alms giving ways to give extra during Lent our church does um, the f uh, 40 cans for 40 days so when we go to the grocery store I let the kids pick out a can that they can take into the church the next time we go in and we try to keep track and count like, how many cans we've given can we done the 40 days have we done the 40 cans um, and they really like that because they get yeah. to pick it and engage in it mm -hmm. and then we explain to them like right. you said father gross um, that other people don't have the food that we have. They're not gifted with the gifts that we've been given, so we share with others. 
And that's what the Lord asks us to do. Right. So we should just reset things here. We have with us in studio a young lady whom we'll be speaking with in greater detail at the beginning of the next hour, Christy Untersayer. And uh, so we were talking about uh, that topic of um, uh, children participating in Lenten sacrifices. Father Jason Leffer is here with me, Father James Gross, from our Grand Forks studio. 877-795-0122 is the number for Straight Talk. And we received a question that was submitted to us, um, which I, I believe is kind of the topic of universalism. Um, what are the positives and negatives of Hans Urs von Balthasar's theory that no one is in hell? And uh, I'm reminded of this also because I read an article, well, or I read from somebody who is a um, who had been a regular contributor to a, a journal called First Things. It's a journal about religion and culture. Um, and uh, David Bentley Hart is his name. And he wrote a book in which he was positing this theory that uh, ev- that eventually no one is going to be in hell. That there is not going to be a permanence to it. And one of the first things that you talk about is Jesus himself was not compromising in terms of speaking about Gehenna. You know, uh, think about the reading that we had not long ago. Um, I think it was right before the season of Lent started on that Sunday beforehand. If your eye is giving you trouble, gouge it out. It's better to go into heaven missing an eye than to have, uh, you know, um, all of your parts and, and to be in Gehenna. If there's no dramatic, you know, reality about uh, um, a person separating himself or herself from God's love, why would that make any sense? You know, and then along that line, too, you, you look at it because I think part of this idea is like, yeah, 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 but there's probably hell right now, like for particular judgment. But then once universal judgment, Christ has the power to save all. So all are going to be saved and they wouldn't be the per- so the focus on the permanence of the yeah. thing. But then, but if that's true, well, then you're going to have to do, do some serious um catechetical gymnastics to get around the sacred scriptures where it talks about the final judgment and there's Christ and the seated on his throne separating mm-hmm. and, and the book right. of Revelation says that they go into yeah. the eternal separation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how how do you, right. how do you Galatians chapter that? five, uh, the apostle Paul says that those who do a certain laundry list of things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, there's no conditional part of that sentence. And, and so part of it too is, and and if we can just take a step back, and because yeah. it, it makes it sound like God's this cruel master, exactly. Just, mm-hmm. But actually, if, the whole reason hell exists is because God respects us. He he has eternal love for us, and he will not yeah. force his right. love or salvation on us. And so he actually literally respects his creature. The reason hell exists yeah. is because we have the freedom to turn to our loving father and say, I reject you. He ratifies that you. decision even when it offends him. And, and, and that's right. And so then basically the reason we, hell is eternal or there's going to be is because it's, it's the individual who says right. no. Right. And God respects your no. And if we don't have that capacity of will, you know, then then there's life no is love. very different. And there's no love. I mean, you, you you love requires a freedom, a free response to say yes, I do. In order to say yes, I do, it means you have to say no to all the things that, for that commitment. And and so that's you know again the season of Lent. Why is fasting so important? And abstinence it proves to you you have the ability to say no. If you don't have the ability to say no, then your yes means nothing. Right, and so this is the season where we're we're literally conscious of these things and practicing, and it's it's and it and it's actually healthy for the soul to realize there's consequences to my actions that there isn't going to be this 
get out a free card at the end of it no matter what I do that I have some kind of responsibility or participation in this eternal love with God yeah, and God yeah. respects that right be holy as your heavenly father is holy and in and, and various uh, you know um, uh, things that are expressed about that so we are in the uh, in the midst of our straight talk segment with about 10 minutes left to go 877-795-0122 is the number to call and it looks like we have one of uh, uh, one of our uh, listeners whom you happen to know well father leffer okay and um we'll we'll get to him in just a moment as the folks down in fargo are are working on that but okay, also so oh, go ahead. i was just going to say as a reminder if you uh would prefer to leave a question on the facebook page for real presence radio please uh feel free to do that so here, here's a, a a quick one we could sneak in here you bet uh, somebody a uh, caller has called in or on my device here and they have said um, is is there a liturgical law that you have to have a new Easter candle each season? If there isn't a law about it, why wouldn't you want to have a new candle each year? And doesn't isn't the sign or significance of that valuable for each season? Do you want to talk? Well, about that? I would say that there is definitely the practice of both. Where some people, I I guess you know the. The, the most appropriate answer was would be, yes, where possible, there should be a new Easter candle every year because in many parishes it burns down considerably. And you have to basically special order to specialty or whatever if it does not have the uh, current calendar year on it. In some cases, those are stickers that are applied to the candle. In some cases, those are wax imprints that, you know, are in the candle and can't be removed unless it would, you know, disfigure the candle itself. So, um, you know, when you're talking about the ritual of the, um, uh, the, the, the use of the Easter candle at the beginning of the vigil, there are prayers in the missile that accompany, um, you know the the incense pegs of the wounds from the Holy Cross, and talking about uh, how Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, and all time belongs to Him. So, what I will say is, there are parishes who choose to have a candle without the year on it that use it for more than one year's time. But the normative way to go, you would say, is to have the calendar year, you know, an annual calendar. And I think like there is no absolute liturgical law that says you have to do this, but but just thinking about a, about a, your living faith and your faith community. There's such value because you know I'm I'm a pastor of little tiny parishes too, and our budgets are kind of limited. But there's certain things you don't want to skimp on, like you know. I mean, how would your child feel if every year you wrapped up the same gift for their birthday, and they knew every year they're unwrapping? It kind of takes the sense of mystery and surprise and the newness of this that we're repeating every year. There's incredible value to saying yes, although this happened once in all time and eternity, but at this moment it's it's new again for us at this moment. Like your baptismal promises that the church fathers say, if you live Lent uh, fully and you show up at that baptismal font, you renew your baptismal promises. You're literally being taken by grace to the moment you were first baptized and being born again. Powerful stuff. So the Easter candle is a sign, a symbol. It's worth the investment or the value of having a new candle each year even if you don't consume it completely the year before there, there's there's just value to that you know so and again it's a pastoral decision kind right. of thing but yeah and so we do have a caller on the line here father leffer if you want to uh take the reins is this uh, uh oh screen just went dark okay uh is this francis uh yes it is good morning francis good to good to hear from you How, how's the J Mart doing this morning Oh, plugging away. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Francis was wonderful. I recently took a trip, and he he took care of my cat for me. 
my, my cat is now spoiled. He won't, he won't do anything unless Francis gives approval. So Francis did a great job there of uh, helping me out. So what's your question this morning, Francis? Okay, uh, we pray in church, pretty, uh, probably looking at statues when we pray. I know we are not pr- you know, praying at an idolized image, but what they represent. Uh, the question that I have is, I think I have an idea, but for example, Mary, Mother of God, there are statues of her like Our Lady of Lords, Immaculate Heart of Mary, Lady of Mercy, Lady of Mount Carmel, Lady of Grace, Lady of Fatima, Lady of Guadalupe, the Madonna, Blessed Mother, and more. Uh, why are there this many statues when they are all of Mary, Mother of God? Yeah, the, the beautiful question. So mm-hmm. here, let's let's jump into it right here. Like first, let's take a step back and say, well, why is this not idolatry? So this happens so, because if you look at the first for Catholics, it's the first uh, commandment, of the Ten Commandments for. For Protestants, they number them differently. It would be the second commandment, which says that, you know, thou shalt not have any graven images. So how a graven image is a, like a statue. Or so not have any strange gods before, before you. So yeah. why would this not be idolatry? And the reason is because God himself, the second person of the Trinity, took on flesh and became man. So God himself took on an image. And so now, ever since the incarnation of the second person, Jesus Christ... God himself limited himself to having an image, to having a voice, to having a particular expression. And so, because of that, you can now physically touch God. You can now see him. You could take a picture of him. You could so forth. Okay, so therefore, it's no longer considered a sin to have a physical representation of God or the things of God, those things that are holy. Okay, so that's kind of the backdrop to this. Okay, then the particular question well, okay, if it's okay to have an image of Our Lady, why this multitude of, of images? So it would be no different than, say, you know, that, that statue of Mary is kind of like having a picture of your mother. My, my mom died four years ago right now. I, I have a picture of my mom that I carry with me, and it's, it's beautiful. I look at that. I know that picture is not my mom, and I know it represents her, and it reminds me of many beautiful things that in my relationship with her. I have numerous different pictures of my mom, from when she's younger, when she's older, when she was out in the barn milking the cows, when she's in the kitchen making pierogies, when she, right? Every one of those is a different representation of the same person, my mother. Each one has a different effect on me or memory or relationship with her. Mary, different statues and expressions are different ways in which she has flavored or, or helped us to think about the revelation of Christ as the Son of God. So, Mary and Lourdes, there's an emphasis on healing. Mary, Our Lady of Grace, that Jesus entrusts to her the, the grace to be dispensed to the children. Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe, powerful expression of faith for the, the native peoples of Amer- the Americas, right? The, so, mm-hmm. every one of these expressions has, has a particular emphasis on the, the fuller revelation right. of, of God. Yeah, so when you look at artistic uh, representations of our Blessed Mother or the saints, various things like that, I also like to use the analogy of, you know, if you're going to the airport, you're likely not just going to the airport. You're going there so that you can catch a plane to go somewhere else. So if we are asking for the prayers of our Blessed Mother, we're not considering her to be divine in terms of the one who is originating the gifts that we are asking for. We are asking for her or the saints and the, the holy angels to uh, uh, join with us in our prayers and to you know, uh, with us and for on our behalf to storm the gates of heaven. So I'm even thinking of like, if you go into our church there at, at St. John, the Pomacene in Pisic, North Dakota, you walk in and immediately you're going to see about seven different expressions of the Blessed Mother represented through statues or images. Or Now, based on my particular need that day, 
I might approach different. Like if if it's for like um, healing, I'm gonna go to our lady of perpetual help, who's right there, and I'm gonna probably invoke her name and ask her because here's this person who really has a need. Please, I might light a candle in her honor, asking her to remember this intention. If uh, uh, you know, there's this beautiful statue of uh, Saint Anne and and the Virgin Mary. I I go up there every time before I teach faith formation, light a candle there, and say, you know. Mary, at the at the foot of your mother, who is the wise teacher who revealed everything to you that you need to know, intercede right now for my children who are coming, that they would be open and receptive to Mother Church and her teachings, right? So there, there's different needs, different intentions. I'm going to go to a different expression yeah. for those particular mm-hmm. things. And Father, uh, Father Leffer and I want to uh, thank those who have contributed their questions as we're coming to the end of this first hour. Um, and so remember that number, 877-795-0122, to participate in uh, Straight Talk every time we have a Real Presence Live. And so as we come up uh, to this second hour, have you ever wondered why in some dioceses children receive the sacraments of reconciliation, confirmation, and first Eucharist in the second and third grade? We'll speak to Christy Untersayer about this question on the other side of the break. And later, hear about a beautiful place of peace and renewal that has served one of our local dioceses for two decades now. Don't go anywhere. We have another hour of Real Presence Live coming up right after this break. Stay with us. Stay with us. 